0: Hi everybody, welcome back to the Flute Flicks Fast. I'm Doug clutie Uh I'm in Fort Myers, Florida, playing baseball, trying to be a kid still and running around and got the pitch in Jet Blue Stadium and having just having a blast with all, you know, it's the Advil tournament. We all got the Ben Gay out, the uh the heat rub and the advil leave tournament but then the pulled hamstring tournament we'll just call it that Uh, having a blast down here i love the baseball atmosphere it is called the roy hobbs world series it is world series time so um, my guest today will be kevin millar a good friend a guy that i actually loved watching play over the years a guy that was you know he was a locker room guy he was a guy that kept the morale up and you've got to have a guy like him on the team that pulls things together and keeps guys loose and light and allows them to go play baseball. And there's just a spot for a guy like him on any roster. I absolutely love Kevin. Looking forward to talking to him. Uh, Looking around the NFL again, I think we've had a constant theme of talking quarterbacks. I I talk quarterbacks and we, we made a big deal early on in the year about the young guys and, and how they're going to do. And I thought Trevor Lawrence would be the can't miss guy. I think, and going into the season, I said, Mac Jones is the most NFL ready. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a can't miss guy. He's going to be that franchise guy for a long time, I believe. Um, but Mac Jones is really playing well and looks more polished. Uh, but let's, let's take a look around at the other guys. Okay. Zach Wilson in New York with the Jets. They just, they just picked up Joe Flacco and they're bringing in a veteran to help out and and try to get things rolling. Justin Fields, all the big stink about getting Justin Fields on the field. We got to get him on the field. He's so athletic. He's this, he's that. You cannot win in the NFL just being an athlete at quarterback. You have to understand to get rid of the ball. When to get rid of you it? Know, oh, he gets pressure. All the sacks, all the. No, that's on a quarterback. The ball has to come out. You've all seen it in, in guys like Manning and Brady where. They get overloaded, balls out of their hands, balls out of their hands, less than two and a half seconds, less than 2.1, 1.6 seconds on a hot read. It's out. These guys, you cannot just rely on running naked bootlegs, half roll set up, two receiver routes where there's not a lot of reading involved, max protect. You got to be able to handle third down and the young guys are not doing it on third down. They're not handling those situations where it's pure drop back pass when the defense knows it's drop-back pass, when they can pressure you, blitz, take it to you. I watched the Monday night game. Two quarterbacks that are not top-shelf quarterbacks in the NFL, Seattle versus Saints. Geno Smith, the quarterback. Geno hasn't been a starter. He's getting an opportunity to play. Threw a beautiful ball down the right rail. When you When he commits to a throw, when he knows what he's going to go for, he can throw the football. There's no doubt about it. He can make plays. But the sacks at the end of the game, he's had three situations where in the last three weeks, he's had the opportunity to maybe go down and win the game at the end, two minutes on the clock and see what you got. Sacks never got even out of the own end, never got a first down, ended up long yardage situation. And that's an awareness level. When the defense knows you're throwing the ball and they're in nickel coverages, they're bringing different looks, different blitzes. That's when the head starts spinning and these young kids can't seem to get it done, Um Mac Jones, I've said, is the one guy that is polished that has been there from day one. Looks, looks like he's starting to get the ball up the field a lot more, uh, mostly off play action. Now, I say this about young guys. When you give them play action pass, when you can run the ball a little bit and allow them to do the hard play action, get deep. Maybe it's a half roll pull-up. It gives them something to do while the rush is happening and while the route is developing so that they're not spooked. They're not spooked about a pass rush. They're not spooked about the, the, the route being taken take away, because by the time they finally get their eyes upfield, the route is, you know, it might be a double move route. It might be something that took a long time, but now their eyes are going to the receiver at the proper time, and that's how they make plays up the field. I think the young quarterbacks need that. I think they need, you know, where, where you – and I always go back to Tom Brady and even Drew Brees for sliding and moving in the pocket, the ability to work the pocket while that route's developing. That's an art because you get spooked out of the pocket and take off too soon. You throw the ball earlier than the receiver is ready when he's doing a double move or an up the field comeback, those types of routes. But if, if the younger quarterbacks, if you can give them hard play action. Deeper drops, things to hold on to the ball. Now they throw the ball actually up the field. I go to the San Francisco situation with Trey Lance. He's a little banged up. Uh, Garoppolo is going to start again, even though they've lost like four in a row. And I, I sit there and I, I wonder, they've trade, they traded up. They gave away two first round draft choices. They've traded away the future, right? And they're, the whole trade, and I've talked about this earlier way back, the whole trade was based on getting Mac Jones, getting Mac Jones, this guy that's NFL ready, Mac Jones. And I, I talked to Mac actually after his workout, one of his workouts, he's like, ah, I didn't throw the ball great today. I, I, I can, I can throw it better. I can, I'm better than that. Um, and they make these decisions off of one workout. They make a decision off seeing the the athleticism of the trade and Trey Lance may work out down the road. He may, but he's not the quarterback of today. And they're talking, I I heard uh, a few talks just talking about, oh, well, they're worried about five years from now is he's going to be the guy. You don't do that. This team wants to win and they want to win today. The head coach isn't worried about five years. You're worried about winning today because you're going to get fired. When you put all this into making a trade to make a deal, you don't make a snap judgment. You don't walk into the showroom thinking you're going to buy the four-wheel vehicle, the the Escalade, the Suburban, whatever, and you know I need a family, and you walk in and you see the sports car over here in the corner as you walk in, and you fall in love with the zero to sixty and the speed and the quickness and the shininess and the shiny. You you can't do that. You've you've done all this research on your quarterbacks. You've made this decision, and now you're switching your mind and you're getting a guy that you're excited about he had no track record because he never played you know he, he wasn't going against the best competition in college and i'm not saying it won't work out it might what is green bay thinking right now it's very similar to jordan love being drafted by green bay did they draft him to say okay you're going to be our quarterback five years from now you, you know here's Aaron Rodgers. you know he's putting his numbers back up and letting it fly as he always does as tom brady's doing and, you know, it'd be nice to have another first round receiver out there or an offensive lineman or something that they could uh, be continuing to win football games with. I just, don't, I don't think quarterbacks develop sitting on the bench. I don't think they develop, uh, I, they, didn't, they need to be under fire and have that competition and feel the game's speed. You know, over time, things become a little more second nature for you as you work through it. And, I just I see a very similar situation happen out in San Francisco. Even with Chicago, Justin Fields is not NFL ready right now. I mean, three interceptions this week. He started a ton of interceptions the last few weeks. You know, you you fall in love with the athleticism. In this day and age, you can get away with it a little bit. You can there's the RPO action, the wide receiver screens, the quarterback runs. And at times it looks great. It looks, oh, you see him scramble for a first down. And It's consistency. And then that's what wins in the NFL, protecting the football, being consistent in that situation right now in San Francisco, even though Trey Lance is banged up. I mean, they will probably pull the trigger and and make him the guy. And that also drives me nuts because I've been in that situation. Uh, You're the veteran. I've talked about this with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, you know, the guy can win. You know, he's a veteran guy. And you can win with this guy, but this shiny new thing over here, we got to mess with and and he's going to be our guy and you want to put him in there. And it's just not happening. So I I do give a tip of the hat to what the Patriots have done. They're still struggling. They're going to fight. They may be in contention to get to a playoff spot at some point, but it's going to be a tough road. Uh, But Mac Jones definitely looks the sharpest of all the young guys. And uh, they're, they're, opening it up a little bit. I think he's getting more confidence in when something is open up the field and sticking it in there. I think early on he was coming off those throws and dumping it off too quickly and just taking his completions, trying to be very efficient, and he's starting to make more plays. It's getting fun. It's getting to the point where the the big picture's coming into play, the teams that are really good. I still – I love the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. Kansas City's still struggling. And you jump over to the NFC and watch what Dallas is doing. It's really cool. And, uh, and I think uh, Dax uh, Prescott has really got them rolling. And Mac Jones played his tail off against Dallas a week ago, and it was an overtime loss. I, I think the Patriots are getting, getting better and better, but uh flows the team to watch in the AFC. My guest coming up will be Kevin Millar, World Series hero for me from way back with the Red Sox. Um, just fun to talk to, always up the in and out of uh, Major League Baseball with the World Series coming up, Really excited to talk to Kevin. Remember, you can get the flippy Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Kevin Millar coming up. Mm-hmm. Very excited about having Kevin Millar as my guest, a guy that I go back with a little bit friendly with, but I idolized while he was playing and loved the 04 Red Sox and the teams that he played on. Um, Biggest walk in Red Sox history, stolen base by Dave Roberts uh, and tying run to to end up winning four straight with the Yankees. Kevin's a co-host of Major League Baseball Network's Intentional Talk Live from the World Series every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. A guy that's fun to listen to on air and knows everything. Kevin, how you doing?
1: Hey, Flutes, I'm going to tell you right now, this is good stuff. I love where you're at right now. Before we even get in this interview, let everybody know that what you're doing tonight, are you on the mound, you said?
0: But you know me, I'm like 12 years old and I'm a kid. So, of course, I'm I'm at JetBlue, uh, down where the Red Sox spring training is. And we're playing like nine baseball games in six days. And it's it's the Advil tournament, the old men and the, the Gay and everything else. But having a blast to get to pitch tonight in the stadium at JetBlue. Um, Oral Cam Boyd was just hanging out right here two seconds ago before you came over. Um couple of guys will show up here and there. Bill Lee usually shows up next week with the older group. So just having a blast trying to be a kid down here in Florida. You know I still want to get you in the batter's. But I still want to get you on the field with us. I know you can do it. We almost did it in Orlando. We almost had you. You committed. You were going to come over. You were playing the golf tournament while we were playing the baseball tournament. And that night just didn't work out and didn't happen that one time. And then, of course, you take your minor league at bat. And one last live at bat, you just yank one, go yard right away on a curveball. And I'm like, one last great swing. And there's yo, if you do that, though, if you do that, you can never step in the batter's box again. You should never do it again.
1: You know what's funny? That's exactly what everybody says. And you know how hard it is not to call the Saints up and say, listen, let's bring Lackey for an inning, Buckles for an inning. I want another at bat. But I'm scared of that because you know it's going to be a 5-3 or a 6-3, period. I can't do that again. I couldn't do that when I played actively to play, take seven years off, and then hit a home run.
0: Well, yeah, you know I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, and it was so much fun watching them make this run. I, like, I, it was unexpected to me. I did not know this team, and then they they kind of just came together at the right time. I mean, the bombs they were hitting, the way they, they got swept by the Yankees late And it just looked like, okay, they squeaked into the playoffs and we're just going to get crushed by the Yankees. All of a sudden they start hitting bombs to get past the Yankees. I'm like, that's good enough. I'll take that. That's a successful season. And then they get by the Rays and then then they keep swinging the bats through the first three games against the Astros. But it finally uh, fell apart. What did you think of this postseason run by the Red Sox?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Two months prior, you felt the struggle bunny train and they were kind of slipping because they definitely played unbelievable this year. They surprised a lot of folks, right? You didn't feel they were going to be as good. There is an Alice Cora situation going on. This team immediately came right together with the glue, and they played great baseball. But at the end of the season, you felt like – I'd say last six weeks, I'm like, oh, God, they're slipping. Yankees were kind of slipping, but then they'd get hot. The Rays have been the Rays. They, They find a way to keep doing it, and they do it with their theories. But then also the Red Sox, here they are. At the back end of the year, you saw this team start going in the good direction. You're like, oh, now they're getting hot. Their bullpen's a lot better than what we were giving credit for. I mean, Evaldi, what an amazing guy that he has been for that organization. Uh, You look at Sale was coming back. He had some great starts down the stretch. And then the postseason start, that offense was, I mean, you couldn't get him out. And so you felt really good about them
0: you know how important confidence is. And when you get rolling, it just keeps coming. And then all of a sudden, the same uh, in the reverse situation happens where you start to struggle, you start looking around, waiting for it. How, what do you do to lighten the locker room, change it back up, get the momentum back, do it? You know, and, you know, it might have been the pitching on the other side that just shut down the Sox, but all of a sudden the bats stop working.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's funny because you, you become a victim of good pitches, and the Red Sox did so good early on, right? And they had three grand slams, first time in the history of baseball. But you will run into a buzzsaw Framber, Valdez, you got to tip your hat. He threw an amazing game. Ball was moving everywhere. So sometimes we don't give credit. We want to talk about, all oh, guys. the Red Sox were struggling. And then also you see Garcia's stuff. I was sitting in the stands, Doug, and I don't get a chance to sit in the stands much because we're always, you know, we're running around. You don't get a chance just to be a fan. I sat there with my wife and my two boys. We were 20 rows back behind Houston's dugout watching this kid throw. It looked like Roger Clemens. It looked like Pedro in his prime. But because he's a rookie, he didn't get credit. And, yeah, I don't think God could have hit him that night. And the Red Sox did the best they could. But when you have scenes like that, you got to remain positive because baseball, you fail so much. So to come in and let the boys know every time you get out, you got to still kind of act like you're carrying luggage. I always talk about with that chest out. To maintain that confidence because, you know, you get out a lot in baseball and you get 500 at bats, you make 350 right hand turns. So you got to know how to handle those right hand turns. And sometimes you just run to buzz saws.
0: So World Series coming up. Uh, what do you think? A long series, short series? What do you see here? I you know the Astros are a darn good team and, and the Red Sox learned that even though they were pounding the fences for a while with them. Uh, how do you see this this playing
1: out? Honest to God, if you were to ask me, I would say that Houston Astros seem and feel tough mentally right now. We, we all know what happened in 17. They win the World Series. Now we got the trash can saga. Then COVID hits and you had the year off and you felt like, oh, thank goodness for the Astros because there would have been a lot of heat that next year. But I will say this, Dougie, the one thing about the Astros is that they are a good ball club. And I don't care what anybody says. And I know that everybody's got an opinion and I understand their opinions, but this is the thing. The the world that we're in with all of these devices and all these iPads and Apple watches, every team is looking for an advantage. Did they get caught? Yes. Was the arrogance it felt like? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Correa, Michael Brantley, these are unbelievable dudes, okay? And they're very good baseball players and better people than baseball players. So you get labeled, and you know how it is. We've been on teams our whole life. If two of your teammates do something bad, you're labeled to that. But not every guy on that team deserves the eh that they've been getting and have gotten. But I'll tell you, they are a tough team. Dusty Baker's a, a, the perfect manager to go in and, and take this group. And I tell you, I would say them in six would be my prediction. So, what is something
0: kind of specific that you, you're really looking for that might determine this series or that you're looking for in this World Series?
1: You know, I, I want to see how this is how these rookie pitchers of uh, why I say rookie pitchers, Garcia, Valdez, Urquiti, they have been unbelievable for the Astros and don't get enough credit you know McCullers goes down it felt like the sky was falling to be honest with you if you're the Astros going into the Red Sox series but these kids can pitch so i'm curious to see if this moment is too big or how they're going to do and i tell you what the Braves they're a good ball club they've been playing great baseball Max Fried and these boys and Freddie Freeman are ready
0: one of my favorite things about you and i love you know watching you play and all that but The heck with all that. I used to go to the Fenway early and be in there during the home team's batting practice and going to Green Monster. And you, Maribelli, and even I think William O'Pena was part of that group, did nothing but jack home runs on your last round of at-bats. It's like home run derby, and I loved it. I'd go up there with my little nephews. They're running around the Green Monster, collecting balls. Did you guys – was it like that? Did You just decided it's time to start just jacking them rather than working on hitting
1: That's why I laugh when people say I can't do home run derby because I'm worried about the second half of the year. I said, guys, that's full of junk. We do home run derby every night in the big leagues. The last few rounds you're trying to hit home runs. That's like a home run derby.
0: So you you get to the playoffs and now I grew up as a kid watching Louis Keon throw 175, 200 pitches in a game. And the days of Nolan Ryan, just throwing, it's your game. It's nine innings you go. And I know things are more specific now, but even, you Know the regular season guys are getting maybe to the fifth or sixth inning if they're lucky. And all of a sudden a short leash in the playoffs, I mean, of all these allowed one run through five innings and and really mowing people down and and comes out of the game. And guys, I mean, shoot, sale came out of a game in the like second inning. He got four outs in the game and he's out of the ball game. What do you make of this? And how much pressure does that put on the
1: bullpen? I, I, yeah, Garcia gives up a triple to Kiki Hernandez. Had a no hitter, and he came out that moment. But I give Dusty Baker credit for letting Franberg go eight innings in Fenway. You just don't see it anymore. I'm losing my mind. I talked to John Lackey. I talked to Buck Holtz. We all live down here in the street. I'm like, am I crazy or is I, like, how do you feel? You know, Lackey. You know, Lackey. Lackey. You know how he was. He's like, hey, he'd have to get that ball out of my hand. I'm not. I mean, these guys are dominating but yet four and a two thirds or three and a third. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if the analytics are getting way too much credit than watching the game with your eyeballs.
0: You've seen me swing a bat a little bit and I can't hit the ball to save my life, but I get on base because I, I slap it around. I put it where they aren't, whatever. They shift like that to they, they know I'm not a power. They would never shift on me. Well, first of all, I'd never get near the batter's box. Just push a bun over there. Dribble a ground ball. When you sit there and look at it, The whole left side of the infield is empty. The whole right side of the field is empty. It just, it amazes me that guys are not, I mean, the game has become three-run homers and strikeouts, but it just amazes me that they don't take the on-base and just move the line and push it to the next guy.
1: Yeah, to watch this live, the other night, game six, to see the shifts actually in person, it was crazy. The entire left side of the field, in the postseason are, are, is available. And a ground ball to short, you saw Bellinger get one. He had a ground ball to short and scored like a, a go-ahead run for the Dodgers. Braves ended up winning the game. But I'm sitting here going, if I'm a pitcher, I'm going nuts. And they're throwing 97 miles away. So just being late on the fastball is a, a ground ball to third if you're lefty.
0: Now, Kev, I've talked about this before. This is like the 10-year-old version of me or, or even the 18-year-old version of me just – was in heaven, shoot, even the 30-year-old version of me. We were in Tahoe. I came down to get a slice of pizza. You're hanging down by the food court. You, Wake, uh, geez, Derek Lowe, Johnny Damon, they're all hanging out, right? And I'm walking by and you're like, "Fluke, you gotta get over here. You gotta have one of these burgers. You gotta have a shake. And I'm like, I'm in, I came over, we all hung out. And just the conversation to be in that circle uh, the, the 2000 version of me or 2004 version of me uh, being in that circle was so cool for me. Uh, I love hanging out there. It's such a big deal. That tournament it's so much fun for all of us to play in. How, how's your golf game doing and, and how do you love that tournament?
1: I can't putt Dougie. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I can usually put the driver in the good grass and then it takes me about five shots to get in the hole from there. Putting is terrible. I will say this though. Doug's got the perfect body. He's a, he's, he loves the beaches. And then you get these baseball bodies where we eat burgers and milkshakes. So we're bad influences, to be honest with you, because football locker rooms are strong, linebackers, running backs, quarterbacks, and then you got baseball players' bodies, which are hot dogs, milkshakes, and hamburgers.
0: <laughs> you know that I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to get you on the field with me. We're going to have fun. you will put you over first base. You can DH. In our leagues, all you got to do is swing the bat, trot the first, and you can get a runner if you don't want to run, all that. <laughs> so I, I'm going to keep working it. We're going to do it. We're going to have one of these tournaments one year where, where you show up and maybe grab a couple guys with you or we just have some fun and go ball. Maybe take BP one day. Who knows? Have a blast. Enjoy the uh, World Series. I love listening to your take. And uh, keep it up.
1: You're the best, brother. I'll see you soon, Dougie. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to thank Kevin Millar for joining me. That's a lot of, I love talking to Kevin and uh, coming up for the world series and all, I guess I got to make a pick, right? So uh, let's go with the Astros. I'm going to go with the Astros. Kevin said six, I'm going to go with him. He knows what he's talking about. I'll say the Astros and six, but I go with the Astros because Alvarez is knocking the cover off the ball. Um, He was just amazing through the series against the Red Sox and Altuve. He's my hero. Ever since Dustin Pedroia retired, Altuve has taken over as my short man hero. So I got got to root for them and and see what happens there. All right, let's jump over to Twitter, see what you guys want to talk about a
2: little bit and answer some questions. Tom, what do we got from Twitter this week? All right, Doug, as you know, every week we uh, do a little Twitter Q&A, questions and comments at Doug Flutie, kind of at the midway point of the season, I would say here. Uh, And the MVP chatter is starting to get louder and louder. We threw it out there on Twitter this week couple of responses this week. I guess if you could rank these three guys, not to put you on the spot, but I will. Uh, Kyler Murray, Derek Henry, and Josh Allen. How would you rank those guys in the MVP uh, pecking order? Wow. Um, you know, it, and it, when it comes down to it, it's a quarterback
0: game. And as impressive as Derek Henry is, and as amazing as he is, it's novel in the NFL right now to be hammering the football and see that guy take off and run. And, I mean, I love him. He carries the weight of that team. And that is the measuring stick for me with MVP is, is who carries it. Uh, Kyler Murray, just amazing sitting at 7-0, and, and the ball is in his hands all day. He deserves – right now I'd say he's a front runner because you're undefeated, but it's a long haul, and it's the consistency. I Right now I go Kyler Murray, then Josh Allen, and then Derrick Henry – but Josh is doing the same Josh is Josh Allen is doing the same things that Kyler Murray is doing running for extra first downs keeping plays alive as well as being that big strong quarterback standing in the pocket delivering it up the field so they do it in different ways but I tell you I could see Kyler Murray getting into a slump where things get rough at, you know some weeks down the road, I think Josh Allen comes ahead in that pack. Right now, I'd say Kyler Murray's. If you had to give an MVP today, it would be Kyler Murray. Another
2: short guy. Yeah, you got to stick up for the short guys. I am short you got as well. To. Is Nobody it vertically has. challenged or short? How should we phrase it? We're, we're flipping short. and That's all there is to mm-hmm. it. All right? Short, we're short and we love it. We embrace it, and we don't care. But yeah, exactly. I'm with you, and I'm bald as well, so I stand up for the bald people as well. Uh, bald and short. Yeah. So you got to pop out. Can we can we say bald, short, and fat? You can't say fat. I, I, I hit that. That's the trifecta for me. So there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, and two other names, real quick. We should probably throw in that MVP conversation. Matthew Stafford having a mm. great year in LA, and Lamar Jackson. I know they just lost to the Bengals, but two other names that are deserving. I would say at this point, this oh, name, and I should be kicked off the podcast for not bringing this up. Tom Brady so far this year, twenty-one touchdowns three interceptions, 600 career touchdown passes. Who does 21 touchdown passes to three picks, right?
0: I can't get through a week of practice without three picks, okay? Tom is – 600 touchdown passes is absolutely absurd, ridiculous. Um, He just keeps plowing along five touchdowns a week, four, three, whatever. You know, he just – He makes good decision after good decision, delivers the ball. It doesn't always look – it doesn't look flashy. I mean, Justin Fields is over there. He's going to have two highlight real plays that are going to make sports center and do everything else. But it's consistency at the quarterback position. It's absolutely amazing to watch. And, of course, Tom should be in the conversation for MVP, but we just take it for granted that he's going to do this and he's going to be methodical. Three interceptions – Tom went out, the, the year I spent there, Tom was already Tom Brady. He'd won a couple of Super Bowls. And he honestly believed that, that it's possible to get through a season without throwing an interception, that you can do it. I'm like, Tom, the ball's going to get tipped at the line of scrimmage. Someone's going to bounce off your, your guy's hands and, up and it's going to have, says not if you put it in the right spot, not if you do that. And, and that's the way he approaches it. He, he thinks it shouldn't happen. And then of course, there's those days where where the tip ball does happen or or things happen. You throw a few picks, but it's just amazing. 21 to three. Well, thanks for the Twitter questions. We'll hit those every week. We get some responses. I love talking. Uh, about what you want to hear about what you want to talk about and uh, it always kind of brings up a story here or there for me so remember you can get the fluty flakes cast on apple pandora and stitcher or wherever you get your podcast make sure to rate and review the fluty flakes cast is a part of the serious xm podcast network the executive producer is tom kress the associate producers are chris tyler and denny gallagher Andy King is the Director of Sports Podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Thanks for listening to the Fluid Flakes cast and join us again next week.
2: SiriusXM Podcasts.